Hello and welcome to another episode of Grassi Canna Talk. I'm Zach Gordon. Today we're here with Mackenzie Ferguson of Verda. Mackenzie, how are you? Good, Zach. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, um, I guess I'm one of the founders and I'm the president of uh, Verda, which is an e-commerce uh, company from Canada. Um, and we provide e-commerce for the cannabis industry. We've <laughs> went through and dealt with quite a few of the regulatory hurdles. And um, Oh, are, are there a couple of those in the uh, cannabis industry? You know, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. I, I was expecting all, all sunshine and roses and um, wasn't that, so... <laughs> Oh, man. Could have pulled me on that one. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, but anyway, yeah, tell us a little bit more. How's... Uh, yeah, so cannabis e-commerce means quite a bit. So what's uh, what's interesting to you? What's interesting to, to Verda? Yeah, for sure. So um, uh, cannabis e-commerce, super broad, as you were saying. Um, there's a lot of different ways that you can take that. Um, and especially market by market, it's all different, right? Um, so you're talking Massachusetts versus Ontario versus Colorado all have different regulations, all have di are in different stages of uh, maturity for retail as well. So they all require different um, feature sets, uh, different regulation, um, uh, software blocks, for example, um, like S Saskatchewan, you can't have a marketplace where third party sells um, on behalf of the retailer. Um, whereas in, in Massachusetts, you can. So it's, um, it's definitely interesting, but one of the really fun things uh, about working on Verda is that we built software that is so customizable within uh, like the admin controls that I have as a non-developer that we can work in any market in North America. And I'm sure the world as it rolls out, but <laughs> I can't say that just yet. Right, right. Really powerful software that we're working on, and it's just a lot of a lot of fun to tackle all these different uh, regulation sets and different needs, right? Um, with the different maturity levels of the markets. So, so I'm kind of rambling here, but I'll pass it back to you. No, no, not at all. This is really interesting, actually. Mm -hmm. And you hit on a, a a really fascinating point in comparing the Canadian market to the U.S. market. Yeah. What's what's been the biggest difference to you, and do you have a preference on on one versus the other. Yeah, so a lot of differences. Um, the one that comes to mind, I guess, as we were talking, I guess, more technically is the products. So in the US, a lot of it is, I guess, call it siloed um, in each state. So a lot of times the uh, producer where the producers are in state, you can't really pass it across the state lines. Um, where That's a felony. That would be a felony, yep. yeah. And then up in Canada, it's completely cool. Um, so there's licensed producers that are federally licensed. Um, so the products are pretty uniform. And so when you're talking about building an e-commerce system, for example, um, that fits both, um, where it's, it's a lot of different products in the U.S. And then it's like very uh, standardized products up in Canada. Um, so that's kind of the one thing that jumps out is it's interesting to see. And I'm, I'm really curious with uh, federal legalization in the U.S., it's inevitably going to happen. Um, when is definitely up for debate. Um, but not just when, but how. No. But that's a whole other <laughs> can of worms. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm just really curious to see what ends up happening to the, I guess, the equivalent licensed producers, the big MSOs. Um, 
how, how that's going to work right at scale. So um, really curious about that. Canada versus the U.S. Uh, yeah. And other other items. Uh, Canada has, a, I guess, a lot more um, uh, control in certain regards. Um, so Health Canada kind of determines top down, um, which is the federal agency, um, like a lot of the marketing restrictions, and then they've passed a lot to the provincial governments. Um, but primarily, um, they take a more conservative approach to online sales. Um, so we've seen in Ontario, you can do um, just pickup, but you can't do delivery yet. Um, and then Saskatchewan, you can do delivery. And down in the US, I find that there's a much more, I guess, um, I, I don't want to say strategic, strategic because it's it's definitely strategic in Canada as well by the, the provincial governments um, but it's a much more laid out plan um, where it's going to be you know what we're going to do do um, let stores go live first brick and mortar and then we're going to allow pickup and then we're going to deal with the delivery regulations and it, I guess there's that transparency there and I think in I think in Canada it's coming um, in a lot of these different provinces that don't don't allow for delivery yet um, but it's just a, a matter of time. And, and I, I think a lot of it is them deciding and trying to figure it out internally as well. Um, but I, that's just scratching the surface on, on differences. Um, there's a lot of real, like small differences that impacts like product, uh, the, like the product that we create, um, the software. Um, but <laughs> so I can save some of those intricacies. <laughs> no, of course. And with something as intricate as the cannabis industry and even taking a step back and, and looking between the U.S. and just uh, even within the U.S., the different states, but comparing broadly the, the two national markets in, the Canada, in Canada and the U.S., the devil is in the mm -hmm. details. And I think that's where Verda can really make a, a big difference. And I think that's something that's really fascinating. I, I know when we first met, this is something that we spoke about is just acting as that intermediary to take some of that concern away from uh consumers of course but also from from retailers as well mm -hmm. yeah for sure and like even within um like single store operators i guess uh the more mom and pop types it's it's hard enough to figure out bringing their store online even if they're within one market so it, it's really interesting because like a lot of the times like the out-of-the-box solution seems more for the big guys that are across multi-states, right? And you want to, uh, they want to, <laughs> I guess, outsource that whole division of their company to a company like Verda. Um, but even like this, the, the smaller stores find huge, tremendous value in, in I, I call it more out-of-the-box solution um, because it's just so hard to uh, keep up with the regulations and they're, they're working in their store, right? They're, acting as a manager for their store, right? They don't have time to <laughs> stay up to date with uh, everything that the government, um, the local government puts out in terms of cannab cannabis e-commerce regulations, delivery, pickup, online payments, um, all that stuff. Just considering the number of variables you have to track. I mean, that's that's a lot for, for people like you and I who, who do this on a day-by-day -day basis, mm. but running a whole nother business on top of that is just, it's an exponential challenge from there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's that's why thats why we exist, because it's so hard um, to navigate just a store alone, right? And the reporting that you have to do and 
Then on top of that, if you are uh, expanding into multiple is managing the reporting at scale, then becomes a nightmare. And then last thing you want to be thinking about is if your e-commerce is compliant, um, you want to be just making sure it's successful, right? <laughs> so we do that for retailers. No, for sure. I, I, I can't even imagine the challenges that it, it, there must be faced from your side, but mm -hmm. Let, let, let's take a step back. So not only are you uh, servicing the cannabis industry, which is, as we've said, a, a, a unique uh, a unique challenge in its own right, but you're, you're a tech startup. Mm -hmm. So what's it like from your seat in that intersection of cannabis and tech? Oh, that's a phenomenal question. Um, so the I was thinking about this earlier and I think we're in a similar position to a lot of like I guess the fintech financial tech company startups where we have to deal with one a lot of old technology um, that's in place and a lot of it's in place from um, I guess legacy um, I guess not legacy markets as they're defined as illicit markets now uh, <laughs> I'm talking more of the medical space in Canada and the Right. Um, so we're having to deal with a lot of that technology um, that I know that a whole bunch of fintech companies have to work with as well. Um, but on top of that, we're also dealing with issues like that a lot of retailers deal with um, in terms of banking, getting loans, um, accountants. A huge thing for us is <laughs> finding uh, an accountant that works on both sides of the border. Right. Um, a lot of the big players right. won't right. touch it. So. Um, just really, really interesting, like all of the intricacies that like a, a startup in itself is already hard enough. And then on top of that, when you have to go back and forth for, I, I was going to say three weeks to get a bank account, but it took us about four months to actually organize getting a bank account set up as an ancillary business to the industry. Um it's 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 just a, a nightmare. So what we've seen in terms of I guess the I guess um, the venture capital markets is all, there's a lot of aversion to the cannabis industry. There is a, a big hype about it, and there was a lot of um, big players coming up. I, we can all look back to the um, IPOs of a bunch of the Canadian uh, pr producers. Um, and it's just there was a lot of hype and it really went, everybody was soaring high. And then same thing happened in venture capital as well. Um, and then it started to die off um, and people realized, wait, this is, these are actual businesses just because they exist and say they are operating in this space doesn't mean they're actually going to be successful. Um, and then a huge thing is uh, all, there's a, been a lot of mistakes made in particularly the e-commerce tech space um in cannabis so um it's really we're getting uh, compared to people that have cut a lot of corners um and so it's really hard to say like look guys we're doing everything above board and more than above board um because it's like our clients licenses are at stake right so um and actually the the shift to taking that seriously and and so um yeah, in terms of venture capital, it's it's really kind of uh, been more averse to it recently, but it's kind of it's developed its core niche, I think. I think there's a lot of hype still in the industry and a bit of smoke and mirrors, um, but I think it's... No pun intended. <laughs> I, I missed that one, but yeah. 
Um, yeah, a lot of smoke and mirrors, um, but I think that it's it's going to start to evolve, and and you know the real players in the space are going to start to emerge, um, and the ones that are going to be building for in ten years from now, right? The ones that aren't looking for the the payday now are going to start to emerge, and we're going to see them grow more and more, like Verda. So, uh, agreed. And you know, looking over the last couple of years, uh, you know, I, I personally have said that we haven't seen the biggest players in the cannabis space mm-hmm. yet. And to your point, there was a lot of hype around certain uh, groups and individuals, which we'll, you know, put to the side mm-hmm. the names and such for now. But uh, it, it is really unique to see a group like yours come up. And, and it is really fascinating. And I love, you, you said something that I really want to highlight. And, and I really love this fact that you're not cutting corners. Mm-hmm. And again, we'll, we won't mention any specific names, but there's a major e-commerce platform that got fined you know, upwards of $100 million for, to your point, cutting mm-hmm. corners to not handle e-commerce and specifically funds the right way. And that's a problem. So to hear someone like yourself come out and say that we're going to do this the right way really means a lot and does, in my mind, at least bring validation to the cannabis industry, at least at a certain level. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like a, a huge thing is like even when like there's a there's a lot of players still really playing with that line as well. Um and, and I think that it's it's not a good game to be playing. Like definitely you should you should play within the rule set and make sure that you're using every opportunity you can. Um but at the same time if if there is <laughs> crackdowns coming, right? Um, there's a lot of players that are going to be on the wrong side of that. So, um, like a huge. Well, let me ask: How do how in your position? How do you? Want yeah, to play? yeah. And do you have any pressure to, to your point, get as far you know as close to that line? As yeah, you can? for sure. So, first of all, we've established within our company that we're not going to be able to compete on a lot of e-commerce metrics that like other e-commerce companies can. Um, and the reason is, is we can't do Instagram ads. We can't do Facebook ads. We can't do Google advertising. Um, it's just, we're playing in a, in a much smaller sandbox than others. So the first thing is like really establishing expectations, I guess. Um, the next thing is there is pressure though, um, in terms of like growing, um, out, like helping our clients grow their business. Um, like they all want to play completely on, on the right side. Um, and so like trying to manage that within, um, one region is okay. And then once it starts to get to two, three, four, and then when you're talking MSOs, talking big LPs and their retail brands, um, it, it becomes really tricky to keep it for e-commerce providers in general, but to keep complete keep their client help keep their clients compliant it's a bit of a tongue twister (laughs) um (laughs) so it's uh and there there is a bit of pressure i guess uh externally um but the the biggest thing is like at the end of the day you 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 just got to play within the box right and so some of the things that i i see a lot of people pushing is um the payment processing in the u.s um in terms of how that works. I'll leave that there. Um, we chose in a partner that's phenomenal, completely above board, all of that. Um, but I know a lot of players are, I guess, pushing that line. Um, and, and at the end of the day, it doesn't add that much value to the consumer anyways. 
uh, <laughs> pushing the lines that they push. Um, the other aspect is uh, marketing. So marketing is really interesting because it's state by state, it's province by province, and then it's also um, federal in, in Canada as well, and there's guidelines federally. So it's it's interesting because that aspect and I guess direct marketing rewards programs, all of that, um, it's, it's really hard because you can't compare yourself to somebody in another province or state. Um, first of all, because of the maturity of the businesses. Um, but second of all, like you're playing in a whole different playground. So it, it's hard as an e-commerce provider to, um, I guess, uh, like on our end internally to really track and say, you know what, this store is doing really well or not, especially entering in new markets and setting setting those baselines. But again, rambling. So. <laughs> No, no, no. This is actually not rambling at all. This is actually really fascinating. And and you're heading in a direction that is very interesting. And that's data security. Mm-hmm. And well, you know, analytics is a, a huge topic of conversation uh, from the, the tech side, from uh, an accounting and finance side. And just it's something that the general market seems to acknowledge is, is a necessity mm-hmm. to understand, you know, data driven decisions are everything now how do you know if something's going to work well the the numbers will, will will tell you how how are you approaching that front right now yeah that's a great question um so our platform gets a lot of uh naturally collects a lot of data um of course all of it is completely compliant <laughs> we exceed compliance and our cto is our compliance officer as well he's really involved in making sure everything is not just above board but ethical Right. That's a big thing is like a lot of these big tech companies completely not talking about cannabis, just in general, push that line way too far. Um, But anyways, uh, (laughs) getting back to, I guess, our strategy here is we want to provide we want to use the data to help provide retailers with um, really great insights. So things like um, consumer purchasing behavior, um, what do what do your customers actually like? Okay, this customer has, has, and it's obviously completely anonymous, but this is the example that I give, is this customer looks like another customer where it's all in groups. Um, we had in another right, state right. or province that fits your retail description, and there's a bunch of tracking there and running machine learning and AI, um, but these look alike. So for this customer, you should be ranking this product first. Right. And actually getting so far into the data that we're providing completely um, automated product listings and collection positioning and even not just for the store level, but for the customer level. Right. Like when you when you think Amazon, right, you think you're <laughs> what you're what's popping up first is what you were Googling. Right. <laughs> but uh, for right. us, it's like it, right. it's it's what that customer will look like, right, and what they're most likely to purchase, um, and that all. Back- so you're talking about predictive analytics, which that that's some heavy. Yeah, stuff yeah, no, it's about. it's it's huge. It gets way past just analytics, as you're saying there. Um, but that's kind of the vision we see of the company. Is like we're we're trying to be the most helpful <laughs> e-commerce in the game, and uh, making it easier for retailers is the name of the game. Um, and so with that comes, yeah, analytics on, okay, yeah, sure. You can see your, your, how much you've processed, right? How that may stack up, what your best selling products are. 
are you maybe even say, oh, this is your best selling product. Therefore, you should buy more of it. Right. Um, but that's kind of like, I guess, base level. Um, and then then getting into the real interesting stuff is is what excites me, um, which is that listing. Right. And, and talking about getting it more towards power, every store having their own little Amazon, their own little Amazon uh, ranking engine in it. Um, Again, we're talking way in the future here, but it's definitely possible. Right, with the, right. Again, ethical <laughs> data that we do collect. Right, right. And, and I think it's very interesting that you consider something like uh, predictive mm -hmm. inventory management, which is what you're describing for all intents and purposes, as a base level service. That's really interesting. And I think that speaks to not only knowing who your customer is, but how you're going to service them, not mm -hmm. only today, but in the future. And that that's really, really interesting and, and an incredible level of force. Well, thank you, first of all. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I like to live, I guess, five years in the future, um, at least. Um, because at the end of the day, like we're executing right now. Um, but the reason why our customers join Verda is, well, we, we do have distinct advantages right now. Um, but the direction that we're going, um, we actually care about our clients, right? We want them to be on in five years from now. We're not trying to get them on just to sell the company. Um, it's a huge, I guess, it, it's a different mindset to take. Um, and I think like, yeah, we were talking about, I guess, predictive inventory and <laughs> analytics being, I guess, baseline. It's not, um, you can get really deep into really good um, predictive analytics on that. And I definitely wouldn't consider like really deep <laughs> um, analytics and prediction that baseline. Um, but you can have a, a very simple predictive engine there saying, you know what, like stores, other stores in use Colorado, right, are, um, are selling a lot of this. So therefore, you may want to buy this, we see you have zero, you should buy some and try it, right. Um, really basic stuff like that can be can also be used as baseline metrics for like way down the line as we're talking about like implementing more advanced um suggestions there right well anyways right. <laughs> i guess moral of my rant here is we really live in the data um and we really want to build the best system in the market um and in terms of like the the key metric is helping retailers out Right. If we can help retailers sell more, customers get to their products faster and, and have a better experience. That's what it's all about. Exactly. And that's the value you bring to the table, which mm -hmm. uh, is the name of the game. <laughs> and, and so we've, we've sort of gone through mm -hmm. the future and, and where this is going and, and what your vision is. Can you tell us a little bit about how you validate these these features, how you look at functionality? Yeah. Um, yeah, phenomenal question again. Um, really, this comes down to working really closely with our clients. Um, all of the, so you build a platform, you make a bunch of, um, and you build such an intricate <laughs> software that we have, make a lot of assumptions. And so, um, you get to a point where you need to stop making assumptions and start like really diving into, okay, was this right? Was this right? Okay, and start getting into fixing it mode, right? Like what do retailers actually like? 
And a lot of it is stripping down features and functionality, right? It's, it's less is more is the idea and, and simpler is better um, in this case, particularly. So a big thing that we do is we collect data from our, um, our, our retailers and we talk to them. We actually primary data, we interview them. Okay. What do you love? What do you hate? Be completely honest because this is being, this is actually being built into the system. So it's not like we're just going to send out a survey. We actually talk to them directly. We see how they use it. Um, like we've done site visits where we go and we just sit and watch the retailer interact with it. Um, and I, I, I've been been there myself um, and just like watching what does this process look like? Like the, the standard operating procedure for same day delivery versus in, in Canada's case, Canada Post. What does that look like? Is it efficient or should I suggest something, right? Is And then um, it's really just like a big thing is thinking about, and a little tangent here, I'll promise I'll bring it back, but <laughs> big thing is thinking about the system holistically. So it, the technology in itself is not the product, the ability to connect and sell more to your customers and sell easier and better and make them make their lives better is the product right and we're just helping facilitate that so it's it doesn't it's not just tech right it's tech with the operating procedures with are they happy right are the customers actually interacting with it um but anyways in terms of actually validating this so we collect that data we observe we go and interview them um and the biggest thing is highest priority feature let's talk about implementing new features for a second the highest priority features are always features requested by the customer right um i guess that's kind of baseline but <laughs> it's um it's it's always top of right list. um and so we we generally try to prioritize by if a client asks for something that then also impacts the end customer that's generally higher than something that's just um, I guess like thorn, like a thorn versus, sorry, what's the analogy here? Medicine versus a vitamin. Um, we, exactly, exactly. So we always prioritize the necessities over the um, nice to haves. But uh, other than that, it's like a lot of, uh, we like to try to live as far in the future as possible and then really try to um, perfect it later, if that makes sense. Now, that makes complete sense. Now, my follow-up to that is, what role does compliance and maintaining a compliant infrastructure have with validating features and functionality and making sure that you are delivering? Yeah, what, what so we talked a, a lot about, like, like marketing is a great example, is when we implement features that help our retailers sell more, um, it has to be something that can fit within the overall infrastructure that's going to work somewhere else as well. I guess it's the easy way to say it. So we can't just implement something that's going to work in Saskatchewan. Um, when we get a request from Saskatchewan, from a client in Saskatchewan, let's say, about adding a feature in, in that area, we have to think about it. Okay, what about Massachusetts? What about California? What about Colorado? Okay, how? where's the intersect of all of these? And one of the really great things is we built our system at its core knowing this. 
So we knew that we had to, we're going to have to be very quick on our feet. Like as we both know, and everybody, everybody listening knows, um, you have to be super fast to adjust to regulation, especially in e-commerce, right? We're being, we're, we're, we're the outsourced e-commerce team basically for retailers. So, um, right. With we built our system with the ability to make these changes on the fly and to be able to build features that can be turned on and off in different areas and have partial, um, like it partially adopted in certain areas as well. Um, it's kind of hard to describe without like showing it, but uh, it, it plays a major right. impact because we can't make something that's only going to work in one market. I guess that's the cliff note. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but it, it's mm. as valid a point as any, and and it is important to know. And when you're designing software, you can't not not to say you can't, but it it becomes very challenging to favor one geographical exactly. area or market over another. So having to find that middle ground without a whole lot of geofencing and customized versions and and additional layers that don't always play well. Yeah, exactly. And like not creating band-aid solutions is one of our goals. Um, So doing things that scale, right? Um, Yeah. Oh, that magic word. (laughs) That's what the uh, venture capitalists like to hear. So, yeah. Scale, you know, a long-term plan, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so we've talked a lot about what you're getting to market. Yeah, What's it's been, um, so we've, we've got good and bad. Um, so yeah, as I mentioned, we, um, so we're, we're live with our first few bunch of clients and we're really collecting deep feedback on it now. Um, and so we've had some, um, we've had some really good um, reviews on how simple our system is. Um, everybody loves how easy it is as a retailer to use it. Um, and that's actually like one of our, our core values is to be simple. Um, everything we do, we want to make it simpler. Um, and so that's for the end customer, that's for the retailer. Um, so we've got a lot of great reviews about that. We do have some things to work on. Um, I know we need to really improve, um, uh, like our, our analytics, we need to improve um, some of our product, how our product system works. Again, that comes back to the, I guess, holistic approach. It's not not a simple problem to tackle. And I know other e-commerce providers uh, deal with the exact same problems. Um, and so, uh, but overall, it's been pretty overwhelmingly positive. Um, everybody's super happy with it and super excited about where it's going. Um, and again, it's it's about the retailers adopting not a solution that's just going to work now. Um, it's about adopting a solution that's going to work for the next 10 years and just continue to make their life easier and easier. <laughs> it's hard to argue with that. I make plan. it sound I so mean... easy, but... <laughs> yeah. Of of course, of course, but it's mm-hmm. a good goal to have. So so, what's next? What's what's coming up? Yeah, so uh, uh, we've got our first few stores um, live right now. Um, we're slowly starting to expand into a few more. We have a lot of requests for the software um, and different markets that we're going to be adopting into. We're prioritizing like our main bread and butter is uh, delivery and power powering same day delivery. 
Um, so we're prioritizing those markets first. Um, some of the ones in the future that are coming online um, that we're really, really working with customers in is Massachusetts, Colorado. Um, we do have a few uh, in California that are interested, very complex delivery there. I was about to say California yeah. is is yeah. So it's it's something that definitely stress tests stress tests the system. But um, yeah, we can do it. So it's um, yeah. That's I guess what's next is starting to expand into more of the requests that we already have, um, and then it's really going to be kind of hitting scale across the rest of North America. I mean, it's hard to argue. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds, again, I, I oversimplify it, but um, there's going to be a lot of like, I guess, uh, with that uh, scale okay. comes all of the data stuff we were talking about, right? Um, it's something that you, we can really invest into in the future um, to make everybody's life easier. So I guess that's, it's talking probably a year out um, in terms of actually getting started on that um, and being at scale. Um, but we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of discovery to do. And improvements to make and i like it's a super simple system but at the end of the day me and my co-founders were not satisfied with it um, we want to make it easier um, and we want to get more feedback to make it better and better exactly. which is how you continually improve which mm -hmm. is exactly what the market needs what was your reaction to the sudden pivot in the u.s to delivery services to allow for state programs who allowed delivery that did not previously well you know what, what was your thoughts what was your reaction and how do you foresee that yeah so um i we are making the bet at verna that everything's going to be delivery in the future um i think it's a really great bet to be making because realistically why wouldn't they <laughs> Like from the oh, obvious perspective, right? Um, and then <laughs> later on the government perspective later. But <laughs> from the obvious perspective, it should be controlled right. and there should be regulations in place, right? To make sure that it's protected from, of course, like the big grill in the room is like theft and, and vehicle, um, like vehicle, break, people breaking into vehicles that are marked for selling cannabis or delivering cannabis, right? A lot of valuable product there. Um, right. but at the end of the day, like we've seen up in uh, Saskatchewan in Canada, we haven't had any issues whatsoever. Um, and actually they've had a really, they had a really great idea about the system of making it, um, uh, common couriers. So they have to be, uh, delivering other products as well. So you can't really ever nail down one car that has a bunch of cannabis in it. And that helps them get, that helps oh, the courier companies get to scale a lot faster too. So, um, like you can be doing, uh, I know one of our, our partners <laughs> does, um, deliveries for a supermarket. They do uh, a bunch of other companies as well. And so like working with us, they, they rarely have a bunch in one car at one time. Right. And so that decreases the risk exponentially, right. Especially over, over every state and province and all the deliveries happening at once. So I think that that's, I think that's something that actually is really, really smart that the Saskatchewan government did. And I, I really want to see that model adopted in other areas as well. Um, but in terms of... Is that unique to Saskatchewan or, or is that something that 
Um, so that's unique to Saskatchewan, is my understanding. Um, I think maybe Manitoba follows something similar as well, uh, but not certain on that. So don't quote me on that one. But <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's something that I haven't seen yet in the U.S. Um, I think I think there's just so much, I guess, pressure put on on cannabis delivery as like, oh, it's got a bunch of it's it's a federally illegal substance and it's got a bunch of um value in it right it's like okay well what if there's less value per car and it still operates efficiently now we're talking about a good solution so i guess um i guess overall i'd want to see that more adopted again i think i'm thinking like two three years in the future (laughs) at minimum um but i think i think the industry is going to definitely shift towards more delivery. I think that governments are going to start getting the data back and realizing that people aren't robbing these vehicles. Um, And then um, they're going to be in a position to make the decision to hopefully move towards something, I guess, more, in in my opinion, more obvious, um, which is that Saskatchewan-esque model. Well, and I think that's where you guys can play the intermediary where you're aggregating this data. You will help them ultimately. I, I, I know it's a corny phrase and I, I said it before, but you will allow them to make data-driven decisions when it comes to delivery services. This is the clear plan. This is the data that supports it. There you go. This is the most. Yeah, for sure. And we really want to work closely with governments as well. Like as, as we said, we're uh, one of our core values is being trusted um, by our retailers, by our customers, uh, by the government and maintaining good relationships with them. And it's like, um, so we, we really, we want to provide that data. We want to make it easier for customers at the end of the day um, to get product delivered to them, um, to go pick up product. Um, it just, it really makes more sense that way. And, and, you know, if the data doesn't support what I'm saying in two, three years from now, um, then I guess they made, they're, they're making the right decisions now. Um, but I, I think I think we'll uncover in the next few years a lot of data that we can help support governments in making these decisions. And I think you said probably the most important word, mm-hmm. trust. And that's going to be key. Someone has to be that trusted figure, uh, not only from a data aggregation standpoint, but mm-hmm. in presenting the right messaging. So if you are that trusted intermediary, it's it's a great place to be and you can bring about real and mm-hmm. quality change to yeah yeah and at the at the end of the day that comes with the simplicity of of working with us we help to distill a lot of a lot of information <laughs> into into changes into the system that we do for you <laughs> um and are ready to go by the time it's in your hands so it's yeah, it's it's definitely a lot. I'm getting some flashbacks here, but um, but yeah, <laughs> goodness. Um, yeah, in the next few years, it's just well gonna so many businesses are gonna die because at the end of the day, they're not providing value to their end users. They don't know what they're doing, right? And and some of these are big businesses. Some of them are ones you you keep hearing about in the news, right? Um, and and people keep buying stocks of um it's you really have to keep that core focus on the end user in our case uh both the retailer as well as the end customer 
Um, and you have to have some sort of guiding light. Like, why are you doing what you're doing? Um, and if you can't answer that, you're probably going to be one of the ones dying. Um, so I, I'd say that make sure you go in. If you're going to get into the industry, uh, make sure you really focus on that and value. Keep keep the focus on that because the industry will change around you. Everything will shift around you. Uh, but definitely keep your focus on the end value to your customers. Kind of obvious. Needs to be said. <laughs> wow. But, uh, <laughs> That's great. So I guess my last question to you is, do you have any advice for anyone who's uh, trying to get into the cannabis industry, whether in the U.S. or in Canada, or for those who are going that similar path to you, where that intersection of technology mm -hmm. and, and the cannabis industry? Yeah, I guess my advice is um, really focus on the value you're providing. Um, I guess we're, we're, I think we're still in the days that you can just exist and have a business in cannabis. Um, but I, I think like the next few years, it's just going to be weeded out. Pun intended there. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say that's obvious at all. I, I think that's a really important point and I couldn't imagine a better line to go out on. Thanks so much for having me, Zach. Thank you so much for coming on.